Good evening, Missouri fans, or I guess whoever else has managed to find this particular corner of the internet. Gabe D. Armand here, State of the Tigers, your weekly show, keeping you up to date on everything related to Mizzou football, basketball, recruiting. We are brought to you, as we are every week, by our friend James Carlton at State Farm Insurance. You can get a hold of James at carltoninsurance.net. Phone number is 314-961-4800. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash Carlton Insurance. Get in touch with James and his staff, and uh, they're going to try to cut you the best deal they can on your insurance rates, even if they don't become your insurance agent, which I feel fairly confident they will. I've talked to a lot of people who have talked to James and his people and uh, and taking them up on their rates. But even if that doesn't happen, if you get a quote from them, uh, James is going to make some donations to Mizzou's NIL efforts, which uh, is a win-win win for everybody. Uh, so that done, we're going to start tonight talking basketball. We will get to the big day that really hasn't been very big. Um, later on, Sean Williams is going to join us. But first of all, we're going to talk to Drew King about the big day that we already know it wasn't a big day. That was a Sunday in Kansas City at uh, the T-Mobile Center, which I still want to call the Sprint Center, which I probably would get in trouble from if anyone for, for if anyone from T-Mobile was watching our show. Um, Drew, you and I kind of agreed that yesterday was one that it felt like Missouri really needed to win. And not only did they not win it, um, there wasn't really a time where it seemed like they were going to. You know, they, they jumped out 16-10, and that felt decent. But then over the next, I don't know, I guess it would be about 28 minutes, I mean, they got run off the floor by Seton Hall. Yeah, they, they hit another one of those stretches where they just could not find a way to score. Um, and, and that's been the killer for them in just about every loss this year is they hit a speed bump, um, can't figure out how to stop a mistake from avalanching. Um, and, and so, yeah, like we talked about how these past two games and the game coming up, like this was going to be the easiest one out of the three to win. And you really needed to win one of these three. Um, so like the margin of error for this team has gone down significantly with this loss. Yeah. I think. I, I think at this point they have to be the owner. If, if you want to have mm -hmm. any conversation about the NCAA tournament. But I'll be honest here. I don't think that's a reasonable conversation to have as we sit mm -hmm. here right now. Like, they could go beat Illinois. But this team has not shown me that over the course of 30 games, they're good enough or consistent enough where we should sit here talking about the NCAA tournament. Maybe there's a point in the year where we get there, but but I don't think we're there right now. Right. And and the thing is, like the guys who played well yesterday, it's not like they've been playing well every game this season. Right. So you can point to them and say, like, oh, why haven't they been playing more? Well, it's because they, they usually don't play like that. Right. And the guys who weren't playing well, like those are guys that Mizzou's been counting on for a long time. And, and they like just didn't have it yesterday. Um, and mm -hmm. so it, it came at like one of the worst times for them. Um, and, you know. The thing about this team is like their ceiling is still like high. Like when they're at their best, 
they're going toe-to-toe with Kansas. They look like a completely better team than Seton Hall, but they don't play like that for long enough stretches, right? They go cold, um, and and they kind of shell up a little bit. And so I think that's kind of been the Achilles heel this year. Um, so you talked about the long scoring ground. And, look, that's just part of what this team is at this point. Like, they're going to go five minutes at some point and not score. Um, I'm, I'm used to it. To me, you can disagree with me if you want. By far, the more concerning thing was the defense yesterday. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like there were times that Seton Hall guys looked like they didn't want to shoot a three, but then they were just so open. They decided, well, I don't have a choice. I have to shoot it. And they made it because they're Division One college basketball players who are completely unguarded from 21 feet. Right. Uh, I, I think it was definitely like some daring on Mizzou's part, like wanting Seton Hall to take those threes. But I think the issue was like so many of them Once were so they're nine of 16. That's a problem. Yes. Right. Like you, you let them get into a rhythm. You left them wide open. Like there, there wasn't anybody within like eight feet of some of these shooters at some times. Right. Um, so, yeah, like they stuck with the one, three, one defense for a long time. And, and part of the strategy with that is you want to take away the middle and you want to get your hand in the passing lanes and force a lot of turnovers. And those, those weren't happening early on at least. Um, and so what happened instead is like Seton Hall was able to make that extra pass to a wide open shooter, either on the wing or in the corner. And they hit their shots like credit to Seton Hall. They weren't a good shooting team coming into this. So I get the idea behind it, but I think the adjustment needed to come a lot quicker for Mizzou. Well, the concern to me is, Hey, if Seton Hall just goes out and shoots 60% from three and beats you, Hey, the sun shines on the, you know, Mm -hmm. dog now and again, but, while they were not stopping that, at least they also managed to not stop anything inside. Like it, mm-hmm. it wasn't like by allowing Seton Hall to shoot so many threes, they were playing this dominant paint, paint right. defense. I, and to me, it's real simple. I watch this team, and their guards can't keep anybody out of the paint. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Nick Honor. I don't care if it's Sean East. I don't care if it's Ant Robinson. The opposing guards are in the paint all day long. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and and part of that is probably like aggressively going for steals. Um and well Demoy Hodge ain't walking through that door. Yeah, absolutely. Uh but I, I also think like maybe the thought was with Aiden Shaw and Connor Vanover, who are doing a decent job of protecting the rim, um, like you could be a little bit more aggressive like that, right? And and play a little bit out of position going for steals. But it, it just was not working yesterday, Gabe. Like they haven't given up 93 to anyone but um Arkansas Pine Bluff, Kansas. right? And, and well, no, they didn't give up 93 to Kansas. Well, they did they last gave up 95 to Kansas last year. But yeah. but this season, like we've seen them step up a little bit more defensively, and that mm-hmm. was far and away their their worst game of the year. Before we go on, I should have started with this. <laughs> yes. just wants to know about the NASA Christmas sweater. Is there a story here? No, I just wanted to lighten the mood a little bit. You know, <laughs> we were going to talk about a couple of rough games from a zoo. I was feeling a little festive, Gabe. Um, I was right. disappointed because the sweater used to light up. I thought that would, you know, uh, I also, I forgot to put these on. I've got some um, red and green Mardi Gras beads that I can 
toss on here. Okay. If that, okay. yeah, this is, that yeah, this is a festive show. It's I'm a party now. Lightening the mood because I'm just yeah. exhausted. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's. We'll get to all your comments and questions basketball-wise here in a minute. We'll have Sean Williams about 15 minutes, and we'll turn our attention to uh, recruiting. But uh, before we get to those, and please comment, questions, whatever, put them in the in the queue. We'll get to them, I promise. Um, so I think, Drew, the last – I think the comeback against Minnesota and the last, I don't know, was it eight, nine minutes against Kansas – I think I allowed that to fool me a little bit. Um, the Minnesota game, deserve credit, came all the way back and won. Credit to you. Obviously, it takes two to tango there, and Minnesota did plenty to allow Missouri back. But the KU game, I think I talked myself into it being encouraging. The story of that game wasn't that they came back from down 18 and, and had a mm-hmm. chance to make it five. The story was that they were up nine and ended up down 18. I, I mean – They've had stretches in every game, doubled up by Memphis in the half, down 18 to KU, outscored in the half by South Carolina State. Like, these are not four-minute stretches. Dennis keeps talking about, I really like the first 10 minutes. I like the last four minutes. Those are fractions of basketball games. For the majority of basketball games, they frankly haven't been very good in any game outside of Pitt and Wichita this year. Yeah, and I think Houston, I... whatever they played in the opener. Like, I don't count that. That doesn't Right. Yeah. No, I, 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 I think I agree with that. I mean, again, you know, the last, what was it? 10 minutes of this past game against Seton Hall, like they looked like that team again, where like Seton Hall doesn't really have an answer for him. And it, it was like a whole but, different. But how much change. of that is because Seton Hall was up 19 points and Seton Hall is. No, Gabe, I'm telling not you, like, taking it that seriously. No, I think it was a change in demeanor from Mizzou, right? They started playing with urgency. You Like, I, I was looking right. at Sh- Sean East's um, game yesterday, right? He had two shots in the first 10 minutes of the game, okay? Um, ended the first half with four points, right? Did not take a shot the first 10 minutes of the second half. And then takes seven in the last 10 minutes, right? And gets to the free throw line. It made makes- about six of them. Yeah, like, um, and like, I think ended up with double digit points. How many did he have? 16, right? Like, so if you looked at the box score, like Sean had a decent day, but it wasn't until they had to, they had to play desperate, right? And they had to claw their way back into it. So like, uh, Tamar Bates had a cool. Why does it take that long? Why can't they do that in a tie game as opposed to down 18? Well, Dennis Gates would tell you they're playing too perfect, right? Um, trying to play too perfect. Trying, trying to nobody's play. Nobody's going to accuse them of playing perfect. Right. I, I don't have a great answer for you, Gabe. Um, but yeah. I thought Tamar had a good quote yesterday saying, like, we have to start every game like we're already down 20. Because when they do play with that kind of urgency, like I said, like they can hang with some of these really good teams. But every game, there's a stretch where, like, they just shell up and they're not as aggressive and I think that's what gets them every time is, is they can't be consistent through a whole game. You know what they remind me of? They remind me of the football team that looks like garbage for the first 27 minutes of the game. They're down 21 nothing, and all of a sudden they get the ball back with three minutes left before half and go, 
well, we got to go no huddle and we got to throw the ball every down because that's our only chance. And all of a sudden they go down the field in a minute and a half and score and you go, well, why don't you just go no huddle all the time? Like Missouri basketball, maybe they should just go no huddle all the time. Yeah. Because that's the only time they've looked good is when they are just furiously trying to come back against a team that frankly has run them out of the gym most of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I, know, I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but it is a little bit like the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Like they don't start playing until the fourth quarter when they might be down by three or seven points, right? So I made that I made that same comparison yesterday in a different manner. I watch every week. I, I watch Chiefs every week. And about week nine this year, I finally started telling my friends, guys, I can't get mad about it. They're just not that good this year. Mm-hmm. They just don't have it. There's something missing. This is the team they are. It's time to accept it. So before we get to questions, is this who Missouri basketball is? Do we just need to say, look, this is who they are. They don't have the guys. We need to quit thinking this team can do what last year's team did. Are we there yet? Are we at that point? It's We're about there, yeah. Like, like I said before, like the margin of error, error is, is zero now. Right. So like you have to come up with this win against Illinois and you have to have a pretty good SEC regular season schedule. Right. Um, you, you have to finish top half in the SEC period, um, along with that Illinois win to get to the NCAA tournament. And I, I don't necessarily trust this team to get there right now. And maybe I'm wrong. Right. They they have to play the games still and right. you know tamar bates and, and trent pierce looked pretty good yesterday maybe they can play that way the rest of the year maybe caleb grill comes back and just goes supernova but it, it's tough to see it right now yeah uh so we're gonna run through some of these questions mike says do you think bates finally gets the consistent playing time he deserves tamar bates has the best offensive rating on the team i look i get he disappears sometimes i get he's not perfect to me he plays and plays a lot if I'm coaching this team go for. I would agree with that. And you kind of expected that kind of game from Tamar playing in front of a home crowd. You knew he was going to step up a little bit with the emotions of that game. You need him to play like that all the time because it, it was also defensively, Gabe. Like before Tamar got into foul trouble, Kaderi Richmond was not a factor for Seton Hall, right? And it wasn't until Tamar came out of the game that Kaderi really got going and that's Seton Hall's best player um so that's definitely what you want to see from Tamar um and for him to play those big minutes yeah uh Tyler do we cut down the rotation at any point we played 13 guys yesterday and that's been consistent you know why they played 13 guys yesterday because Caleb Grill was hurt and he couldn't play 14 that's why um, like I I hate to harp on this one situation but the Mabormajak cameo in the first half is the one that I think people are going, I, I'm not sure what, I, I don't get it. I, I don't know how else to put it. I don't get it. I also do not get it. I, I do think that Mizzou <laughs> so will probably. Establish that. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's other players on the team that Mizzou should play for those stretches that would be more yeah. effective. And it, look, here's the bottom line. Like like you said, I felt like yesterday, Dennis was just searching for anything. 
I mean, he played Don, John Tanjay for the first time in like eight games. Mm-hmm. He played Jesus Carolero Martin for the first time in like six games. And that actually went pretty well. He, he finally, I think, out of complete desperation with six minutes left, says nobody else is doing anything. Aiden Shaw go back in and Trent Pierce go in the game. And that worked. And so it's easy to say, well, we should do that more. But, like, Aiden was bad for the first 25 minutes yesterday. Mm-hmm. And Trent has been, outside of the Minnesota game, pretty bad most of the year. So I, I don't think it's that he's playing too many guys. I think he's playing so many guys because we're 11 games in. And he still hasn't found five to eight guys. He likes the way they play consistently. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like he's he's going to keep playing Nick, Sean, and Noah every single game, right? right. It's um, never going to change. Yeah, never. Um, but yeah, like outside of the, you know this whole team was built on the idea of we have a lot of depth, we have a lot of options, right? And not all of them have panned out, right? And also. How much different is there between, like, okay, you have a lot of options, but if you have nine guys who are all kind of the same, it, it's like having mm-hmm. two quarterbacks. You don't have one, you know? Yeah. If you, if you have 10 guys that are the same, you don't have a starting five. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's see where else we're going. Why does it feel like Mizzou plays to its competition? I'll disagree, Sam. I, or Sam. Uh, I think the problem is I don't feel like they played to their – I mean, yeah, they lost by eight points to Kansas. But that was an 18-point game with 10 minutes to go. Missouri never had the ball in a two-possession game. They lost to Seton Hall by, what, six? They never had the ball in a one-possession game. Every time they got close, either they failed to make a play offensively or they failed to get a stop defensively. So – I don't know that they do play to the level of their competition. I, I mean, I think in in they play to a level slightly below their competition, I think is what they've done so far this year. Uh, well, like it harkens back to the Jackson State game too, right? Like Jackson State should not have ever been in that game. Um, thank you, Gerard, for the comment. Um <laughs> The the SC State game, right? Weren't they down sixteen there and had to make this crazy comeback? Yeah. So um, even like, even the Loyola game, they were up thirty one nine and it was almost tied at halftime. Right. Like in every game. Um the the Pitt game, they were up eleven and Pitt cut it to two in the last couple of minutes. Um, yeah, I agree with your point. Like they're playing not even to the level of competition they're they're letting teams hang around and um that usually has not panned out well for them right they're letting bad teams hang around and they're letting good teams run away from you know uh uh sean's in the in the green room we'll bring him in in a couple minutes but i want to finish out a couple of basketball questions ted he brings up a point carter needs to sit play pierce look noah carter hasn't been good the last two games noah carter would tell you he hasn't two games but you said Noah Carter's going to play Nick mm-hmm. Connor's going to play so as much as you want to sit here and say those guys need to sit and young guys need to play it's not going to happen guys the coach isn't giving up on the season in game 12 and he's not going to yank his veteran guys so the answer to me is not sitting Noah Carter and Nick Connor it's that they have to be absolutely better than they've been like Missouri needs more out of them than they've got 
Right. And the thing with Noah is like he's not taking horrible shots. Like a lot of these are wide open for him, too, and they're not going down. Um, he was one for six yesterday. He had a, a shot on the left wing um, with nobody in front of him that would have cut the score to five with about a minute left in the game. Um like he has to hit those and he was earlier in the year, but like I wrote earlier this morning, um, the past three games, I think he's five for 29 from the field. Um, mm -hmm. That can't really happen. So you're right. Like Noah's going to keep playing those minutes. Um, the goal has to be to get him right and to get him back into rhythm. And it's really weird to me with Nick Honor. Nick Honor shooting 44% from three point range. Like, He's mm -hmm. doing that really well. The difference is he's he's got fewer assists and he's turning it over more. Because and, and Drew, we talked about this after the KU game. Their offense increasingly is Nick Honor and Sean East dribbling around till there's like eight on the shot clock. Like I don't see the ball movement or the the off ball movement. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It gets really stagnant and there's, they kind of play hot potato around the three point line um, and, until there's nowhere else to go. And so the last 10 seconds, like you said, like it's Nick or Sean taking one last ball screen, getting into the lane and then like having three or four guys around them with nowhere else to go. So um, yeah, that's something that needs to improve on um, Nick's, like you said, has shot the three-point ball really well, but he's having to play on the ball a lot more, right? He can't have a swing pass to Des Moines Hodge or let, you know, feed it into Kobe inside and then spot back up. Um, so his his role has changed a little bit this year, and it's been a, a struggle for him to adjust. Well, here's a good point. We'll just finish with this. T-Rice says, I wonder if other teams will allow us to spot them 10 to start the game. Like, <laughs> what do you think – what do you think uh, – uh, Brad Underwood would, would do if Dennis Gates just told him before the game, all right, you guys up 10 nothing. Let's go tip it off. <laughs> he I would say, yes. It. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yeah. So, um, look, I, I mean, we said it Sunday. It felt like a must-win game because it's just – that one felt so much more gettable. Um, and, and, look, I, I made this comment on – eight different shows today. So I'll just make it today. The saving grace for Missouri is that apparently every team they play is an NCAA tournament team, except for Minnesota, who just got absolutely thrown under the bus by <laughs> last night. Like, you know, KU tournament team, Pitt tournament team, Seton Hall tournament team, Jackson State tournament team, Minnesota, not sure where they'll end up. <laughs> Tough day for the Gophers, man. For Gophers. That was <laughs> yeah. Um, just looking ahead to Illinois game because it's we we talked about how like Seton Hall kind of needed to be the one. Like Illinois looks really good this year, and I, I know you said you said in the past things like, happen in that game. Yeah, um, can, can you expound on that? Like, what are some of the weirder things that you've seen happen in the Bracken Rights game? I mean, in ninety three ninety four, Missouri went in. They lost by 52 to Arkansas. They should have lost to Mercer. They should have lost to some in-state team. I mean, they were playing awful. Um, they were down nine with a minute left, tied the game, won it in triple overtime with a bunch of freshmen on the floor, and didn't lose again until the, the gate tournament. Um, uh, some of the Quinn Snyder's teams that were actually good, like 
Illinois ran them out of the building. Uh, you know, frankly, last year, I know Missouri ended up being good, but nobody had Missouri favored going into that game. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the best halves of Missouri basketball I've ever seen. So this game has turned seasons around before, and I feel like it has to on Friday night. That that has to be not only a win, but a win that like galvanizes this team. Yeah. Um, and thinking about back to last year, I think that Mizzou was able to catch Illinois off guard a little bit, right? Because they're coming off the Kansas game and then they have a buzzer beater win at UCF. Um, and, and so I don't know that Illinois was prepared for the high level that Mizzou was going to play at. I think Brad Underwood's going to be very prepared for what Dennis Gates brings yeah. this year, right? So you're not going to have the element of a surprise on your side. Um, and Illinois has been like a monster team this year. Terrence Shannon has taken it up another level. So um, it's going to be a really tough competition for Mizzou, but it's also probably one that you have to have to keep your season up. Yeah. Well, we, we thank Drew for his time and his wardrobe tonight. Um, Sean Williams <laughs> does not have a Christmas sweater on to my knowledge. I don't know. Maybe he will prove me wrong. We will bring him on the screen. No Christmas sweater. So, <laughs> Drew, we're going to go on and do a normally dressed show without you for the rest of the time, unless okay. you just want to hang out and listen to everybody ask why nobody is committed to play. Um, I, I'll, I'll you know, look around and ask for questions about why nobody's committed to the Christmas sweater podcast. But um, other than that, I'll probably head I get, for this one. I didn't, didn't get the memo. I, you know. <laughs> I got it. I chose not to. So, uh, all right, Drew. Appreciate it, man. Drew King out for the evening. Sean Williams now a little bit bigger on your screen. So, Sean, uh, why is nobody committed in like nine hours or I don't know, man. That, there's a mob of Missouri fans outside my door knocking right now like a bunch of vampires, zombies, thirsting for blood, wanting some commitments. Uh, yeah. 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 Hey, man, look. We kind of said, hey, news will be coming. And then there's some Missouri staffers that are throwing some stuff on Twitter that's really getting the juices flowing, but nothing's happening. So what can we do? Right. I, I mean, hey, guys, I don't know. Um, I guess if I'm told news is coming tomorrow, I'm, I'm not going to say news is coming tomorrow until news comes tomorrow. <laughs> uh, because this is a couple days in a row. We were under the impression news was coming today, and it hasn't happened. I, I mean, look, I, hey, that that's what's happened. Um, I, we're going to move on from that because it's gonna. they're going to get portal commitments. We feel pretty good about some of them, but obviously they haven't happened, and we can't wake up every day and tell you guys, hey, today's the day. I don't know. They're going to happen when they happen. The night is still young. It's only 7.30. So. Right. There's four and a half <laughs> hours left in the day, but it feels unlikely to me at this point um, tonight, you know. Uh, all right. So, but Caleb Pyfram does come into Missouri, which feels like something we've expected for what, two months now? Uh, yeah, good. Well, man. <laughs> you could probably say a good almost five months since he visited in October yeah. for the LSU game, but you know, he kind of drawn it out. Um, I think uh, I heard he did take a visit to Nebraska, a game day visit to Nebraska, but obviously, at you know, at, at that time, I think you know, they were kind of waiting for Grant Bricks to be their that that was their top O line uh target, and they ended up getting him, so they you know, they passed on him. So you know, Pyfram returned for, uh, the, you know, the uh, L- he was in town for the LSU game, returned for the Tennessee game. 
came back for the official visit. It's kind of a foregone conclusion when he's uh, when he sets the official visit at that point that he's coming to Missouri. So, yeah, we've known about this one for uh, for quite a while. He just decided to kind of make it official today. So, right, uh, and obviously, guys, hey, we've switched over here on uh, State of the Tigers to football recruiting <laughs> topic and comments, questions, everything. Put them in the in the deal. We'll uh, we'll get there. Um, okay, so tomorrow morning. Um, Again, this is news we know is happening tomorrow. Courtney Crutchfield is making a commitment at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning somewhere. There's nobody in this other than Missouri and Arkansas, right? I mean, I know he has Auburn on his graphic. Auburn and There might have been another team. LSU. Yeah. LSU. LSU. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is Missouri or Arkansas, right? Yeah, I mean, since he uh, since he backed off his Arkansas commitment, I don't know if he's been back to Arkansas since then. He's been to Missouri. I asked him if he's been anywhere else last night when I talked to him. He said no. So uh, he's either going to have a change of heart, go back to Ar- or you know, go back to Arkansas and, and be in Arkansas's class, or he's going to going to be in Missouri. And I assume that coming off the official visit, everything sounded pretty good. I, we assume that's probably going to be Missouri right now. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, look, let's, let's just address this briefly, um, because it's in the comments like four times, uh, somebody from on three has, you know, predicted that Caden green will end up at Missouri. I feel like you guys have, you know, probably should have gotten that impression from our message board today. Um, again, I kind of thought it would happen by now. It has not. I expect it to happen. I think it's going to happen. I, I don't know when, um, but we might as well just because that that's the question. I thought it was going to happen since he entered the, since since the day he said he was entering the transfer portal. I have thought this made far more sense than Oregon for Caden Green. I, I expect at some point that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said that. I mean, that was kind of the expectation. Once uh, news came out, he was planning to enter the portal. And then, you know, obviously when he officially did, he, you know, uh, all of a sudden, hey, I'm going to go visit Oregon. I'm going to go visit Missouri. He already had the la- he already had the plans laid out. So and obviously Missouri got him on campus on Sunday and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But everything seems to be trending in the direction for Missouri to get him uh which, you know, they heavily pushed for him when he was in high school. They just did not get him. And, um, you know, maybe we'll have a homecoming of sorts. I mean, obviously, you know, Williams and is in the class and Armand Minbal is already uh, on the roster. So he'll get to reunite with some uh, some former high school teammates. So, Right. And uh, look, that, that would be – I mean, we said since the day he went in, he, he becomes target number one in the right. Um, right. You've got your left tackle. I. Now, look, I don't know. Could he play left guard? That's where he was this year. Yes, I think. To me, it makes sense to play him at left tackle where Javon Foster is leaving. That's what I would do, but nobody has asked me. I do not coach Missouri's offensive line. So it's kind I of don't a, know if they ask you uh, yeah, where you that, would play him. <laughs> no, but I think that would make the most sense. I mean, you know, and, and maybe in Green's case, that's a huge selling point for him to be able to play a you know, left tackle position. And uh, no, he can be. He can come in and be a starter right away next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, look again. Do I know when an announcement happens? Obviously not, guys. I, obviously, I'm, I'm not gonna. I don't know. It's it'll happen when it happens. Um, you know, hopefully that's uh, 
that's relatively soon. Could it be tonight? I don't know. Random kids. Sometimes kids announce things at eleven o'clock. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> see. Um, I can see stay up all night. I can I see Caden. I can see Caden doing that. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but that would would obviously be a big one. Um, Crush Field tomorrow. The, then the only other kid. Um, that, well, there's two really. Jaden Sensabaugh. Uh, or Jaron Sensabaugh. <laughs> Uh, Wednesday, Missouri uh, or Tennessee? What do we What do we think here? Yeah, like I said in the uh, in the weekend recap this morning, which is no different than what I've kind of you know said going into it. I know he you know he came for uh, a game day visit to Missouri and he came back for the official, but he's also been to Tennessee for like two game day visits and an official there. Um, he also took officials to uh, NC State, UCLA, but obviously. Look, he's from like he just moved to Nashville this year. Played played at Innsworth there, but before that, he grew up in Knoxville. He's got a bunch of family in Knoxville. Pretty sure he grew up a Tennessee fan. I think the allure of playing for Tennessee and playing for like the hometown team is probably going to win out there. Uh, we haven't heard anything otherwise, really. But that's just my prediction. Uh, he's a hard kid to get a hold of on my end in terms of just getting any, any kind of response from him. But it almost sounded like after he took his official to Tennessee last weekend, he was just going to almost almost kind of sounded like a courtesy visit to, to Missouri, but uh, he was going to come at least hear him out anyway and uh, get all his visits out of the way and, and make sure he's making a, a right decision. But, yeah, I think he'll end up staying in, uh, and play for the hometown Tennessee. So we've got two questions here that are related, and I'm going to just put them on the screen back-to-back. Aiden is asking, is Mizzou done with transfer running backs? And then Mike is asking, would they still take the former Auburn running back recruit? That is uh, Jamarian Barnett. Burnett. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're done with transfer running backs. I think they'd like another one. Which makes the Burnett thing interesting. Sean, do you have much insight? Because – it just seems like a kid like that should have more options than it seems like he has right now. Yeah, it's a really weird situation. Everything I kind of read up is, I guess, you know, Auburn ended up dropping him. And, I, you know, I guess maybe it was for lack of production. Maybe they had a better option. It was higher on their board. But he missed some games this season. I think he only ended up playing in seven games. I think he had like an ankle injury or something like that. But in the seven games he played, he still put up pretty good numbers. So, uh, but I guess at the time, maybe Auburn just decided, hey, this guy, this other guy they took, I don't even know who it is, but, you know, maybe they, they had better options that were higher on their board or whatever. But, yeah, I'm also kind of shocked that, you know, no other teams have really kind of come after him. Because, uh, like I said, you know, he's, he was pretty productive in the games he did play. Um, so, yeah, it, it is kind of head-scratching. And, yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about this, and we, me and you kind of talked about it. In terms of running back, it, you know, they've got – now they got K1 Lacey, you know, and, and K1 Lacey commits the weekend after Burnett comes in for an official visit, which Lacey was in in November for an official visit. So now you got a high school kid. Now Missouri's got Marcus Carroll, the Georgia State running back transfer. It almost seems like Missouri's you got a sophomore kinda, and a redshirt freshman on the roster. Yeah, but it almost seems like Missouri's going to kind of sit back, maybe reshuffle the deck and see if maybe if they can get another quality transfer option or, you know, and yeah. if they can't do that, maybe they take a guy like Burnett if he's still around in February. You know, it kind of seems right. like. That, yeah, like I, like I don't think we're saying that they won't take him, but I'm no longer as sure that they will sign him on Wednesday as right. it used to be. Well, and um, it, it seems. I don't know. 
It, it's just a weird deal. Well, you know, and I, I think things, you know, they, they brought in Lacey in November, and it maybe, you know, it seemed like maybe he was the top option for Missouri because they didn't sudden, think they were going to get him. They didn't think maybe they didn't think they were going to get him. They brought Burnett in, and then all of a sudden, you know, Lacey's like, "Hey, I'm going to come to Missouri," and they're like, "All right, we'll take you, buddy." <laughs> so, and I think Burnett, you know, he kind of sent out that cryptic tweet where he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm still open. You know, my recruitment's still open." So, obviously, maybe he's looking at you know hoping other schools maybe pop in there, and he has more options. And he's probably, I mean, I would assume, I'm, I'm just assuming here, I would think he would probably wait it out and maybe sign in February, but we'll see what happens there. But I don't really know if he has any other options. or if, Right, it just it depends right on what else he might be able to do, right? right. Uh, who knows? Um, and, and again, and this is going to apply to the next question we put up too, what you got to remember is, like the portal's been open for what, two weeks? We got yeah. another two to go. Right. You know, they're going to be I saw a kid from oh, UCLA yeah. enter the portal today. They just played their bowl game Saturday. Yeah. They're going to be more portal entries as kids finish their season. And then they're going to be even more in the spring. So you can't take if you need 12 transfers, you can't take 12 this week. Right. Because then you're gonna end up with buyers remorse when you're like, Oh man, I wish we would have held a spot for that kid. And you, and you just can't do it. Yeah, the thing with the portal game is kind of interesting. I'm sure they have like a set of priority positions that they want to definitely get guys in. And then I'm sure, you know, like, hey, maybe we can take a second guy at this position. But, you know, like I said, you got to keep you got to keep your options open. Like I said, there's bowl games going on right now. So you got kids that will, you know, jump in the portal after their bowl games are over. And, uh, you know, you got kids that will jump in uh, during springtime, too, when they kind of know that, uh, you know, the depth chart maybe isn't looking so good or, you know, <laughs> maybe they don't like the new head – maybe they don't like their new position coach or whatever. So right. <laughs> there's always different scenarios of why kids jump in the portal. Uh, it's not all about money, but most of the time it is. <laughs> right. A lot of it's about money. It's not <laughs> is about money, certainly. Um, so, that, like I said, that kind of relates to the next question. You're worried at all about the two interior defensive line misses today. Um, look, they brought them both in on visits and did get them, right? Um, so, worried? No. I mean, they'll find guys. I, right. Aeneas Peebles or the Houston kid. I'm, I'm glad I can just call him the Houston kid. And not <laughs> um, you know, is the difference between making a playoff and not making one? Not really. Um, but they brought him in on visits. They clearly wanted him and didn't get him. So, yeah, it's a miss. It, it doesn't have to be – like, you don't have to worry. You don't have to panic. But it's a miss. There's no question about it. You don't bring guys on official visits that you don't want to take. Right. And they also got, like, Chris McClellan, the Florida DN, still kind of, you know, out there, whether he – you know, where he ends up going. I think he went to Colorado over the weekend. He was at Missouri at the end of the week, I think. So, he's an option, too, that could – they could pop. So, yeah, you know, I mean, um, that's transfer portal recruiting, man. I mean, it's it's a whirlwind to cover because things happen so quickly. And, you know, you know, yeah. a lot of these guys are trying to, you know, kind of make their decisions before, you know, during this early signing period so they can be mid-year and early is too. And let's be honest, so many of these are – they're not recruitments. They're negotiations. <laughs> that's what they are. I, I don't know why we wouldn't call them that, right? Right, you know? right. Um, I, I mean, it's okay. Well, cool. You can get me 200. Well, guy over there said 225. Oh, now you're saying 250. Well, let me go back to him and see. You know, I mean, it happens, guys. I, it's not even illegal anymore. It happens. Yeah. Um, it's free agency. So, yeah. David is asking about Chris McClellan. And look, he was here this weekend. 
at one point today, I would have told you I felt really good. Now, I I don't know for sure. I mean, it's Missouri or Oklahoma or Colorado. I, I don't know. Uh, it, like, you just don't know anything about these kids until they actually announce it, right? Yeah, and, and you know, because... And, and frankly, even sometimes they announce it and it doesn't matter. I saw a kid flip from Colorado oh. to Oregon today. He said he was going to Colorado and he just said, nah. But yeah, there's been like... don't uh, have to sign anything. Yeah, there's been like a coat, like some kid uh, committed to Minnesota, then flipped to uh, Louisville a week later. So, you know, I mean, right. those things happen all the time. Yeah, it's it happens a lot less in transfer portal recruiting than it does high school recruiting, but it does happen. I mean, it just really depends on the scenario. Like I said, free agency, maybe the uh, maybe the money just went up here at this place. So I'm going to take right. it. And that's the thing, like all actually announcing a commitment does is tell everybody in the country, well, I found a price I wanted. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a bargain. Maybe if you found a better price, I, maybe I don't necessarily have to go to that place for that price. Um, yeah. that's bargain it. Bargaining chip. And again, go ahead. No, it's a, it's a bargaining chip. You're not signing anything till signing day. So it's like, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and commit here. And then if people reach out, be like, hey, this is how much they're paying me. But how much can you offer? And if you offer more, yeah. then you, yeah, I'll take a look. Right. And again, not every kid goes to the highest bidder, right? Like there are kids that say, hey, you know, if, uh, like out of high school, we pretty confidently reported that Oklahoma was not the highest bidder for Caden Green. He went there. I mean, he didn't go for free, but he didn't go for the highest price. He went mm -hmm. for other reasons. I, I can say relatively confidently now. That Missouri is not the highest bidder in all likelihood for Caden Green, but I yeah. think they'll probably get it. You know, so other things do matter, right? But it, it's kind of like if if one place is offering a hundred grand and the other place is offering eighty, maybe it's a conversation. If one place is offering a hundred and the other one's offering twenty, it ain't much of a conversation, right? But if you're offering, uh, if one place is offering a hundred. Other places offer an 80 and a guaranteed uh, starting spot at left tackle. <laughs> right. Or you or two of your high school buddies are there or <laughs> it's an hour and a half from home or. But yeah, I mean, that's, whatever. that's kind of almost like the two reasons. I mean, really the two biggest ones, you got money and you got depth chart, you know, where, where you know, where you kind of, can you come in and start right away? Where are you going to be at on the depth chart? And then, you know, there's the money aspect. Those kind of flip-flop in terms of top priority, it seems to me, with transfer portal recruiting. So, John, you're destroying the myth of the family atmosphere here. i got to be honest with you. <laughs> okay. So, anyhow. Um, all right. So, Crutchfield tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, Crutchfield uh, tomorrow morning. We're still, uh, obviously, Trajan Greco is another guy that, he is not going to announce to Jerry. We're not going to know about it. Yeah, we feel not, pretty good about it, but we're not going to know about it. Yeah, this is going to be a situation. He's going to wait and announce on January 6th when he's at the uh, All-American Bowl in San Antonio. He's participating in that. He will probably make a live announcement then, like most prospects do when they're still, quote-unquote, uncommitted. But we feel pretty confident it's going to be a scenario where he probably signs with Missouri on Wednesday. We're just not going to know about it until January 6th. Right, and and that has like I know kids that's happened. Yeah, I mean, that usually in December, and for some reason they want to have a ceremony or an announcement later, and so the school just doesn't announce their son. Yeah, 
Yep. So that's that's really the only other one uh, we're kind of waiting on. So, I mean, you know, you look at Missouri's <laughs> class right now, they're at 18 commitments. So, you know, we said they're probably going to go with about 20 or, you know, maybe 21. Maybe mm-hmm. they go over that. So Right. And we will be watching what happens with Jamarian Burnett. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. Right. With him, but it'll be – He's kind of the wild. It would be card. interesting to see if he signs with Missouri, with somebody else, or nowhere on Wednesday. Honestly. Right. Yeah. And if and honestly, you know, yeah, like I said, he's kind of the wild card. So if he doesn't sign anywhere on Wednesday, then you know, kind of got the feeling that he's still an option for Missouri down the road. You know, just kind of depending yeah. on maybe what they find in the portal. You know, so. And so Sean will have a have kind of a rundown tomorrow of like the guys they're looking at, what we expect, all that. That'll be on the site tomorrow morning. Uh, on Wednesday, Sean and Gerard are kind of going to be handling this stuff on the site, and then Gerard's going to be talking to Eli Drinkwitz in the afternoon. I'm actually going to go up to Lee Summit North High School on Wednesday because Williams Winery is having his ceremony at 9.50. I'd like to talk to him, and I think there's a chance that somebody else might be hanging around the ceremony that hopefully by that point I have a reason to talk to. So we will see how that goes. <laughs> Hey, that would be swell, man. That's why uh, people pay the big bucks here at PowerMizzou.com. That and that and the yell at me, man. So we're good. Uh, yeah, I mean, in, in, anything else to add? Um, no, I think that's really about it. You know, like I said, um, you know, once I mean, you know, once the signing period, this early signing period's over, there's not going to be a lot of storylines when it comes to high school kids. You know, we'll have Greco. He'll announce his, you know, he'll publicly announce his decision on the six, and then. You know, the wild card's kind of Jamarion Burnett. And then, I don't know, maybe they'll find some other somebody else, but probably not. We'll see. I mean, there's always a possibility. But, yeah, it's going to be rather quiet. The high school recruiting part of this is probably going to end permanently <laughs> on Wednesday. <Yeah>. So <laughs> Permanent, Permanently for this year. They will continue to recruit. Yes, like, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just flip the script and go uh, straight to 2025 focus pretty much. So There you go. There you go. All right, Sean, appreciate it, man. We'll let you run. Yep, see ya. All right, that is Sean Williams. He's our recruiting editor filling you guys in on everything leading up to National Signing Day, which now is a little less than 36 hours away. So, uh, look, guys, appreciate you all joining us. We're doing the best we can to kind of keep you updated with everything. Again, I know today was a buildup, and then thus far, nothing. I don't know. There's four hours. Is something else going to happen? I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not going to put a timeline on it at this point. I'm, I've had enough of doing that and, uh, looking like I don't know what I'm talking about, even though I promise you, I'm not just making it up. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but soon, I, I feel like soon, uh, things will happen, you know, and we'll just, we'll just leave it there because your definition of soon and my definition of soon might not be the same. So we'll see how it goes. But, um, Want to want to one more time tell you carltoninsurance.net 314-961-4800. You can get in touch with my friend James Carlton. He is Drew King's insurance agent, actually. He's the insurance agent of a number of people on our site because a number of people who heard about him here, got in touch with him, and really liked what they hear uh heard. So I want you to do that. Get in touch with James, get some insurance information. He'll hook you up with the best rates. If he gives you a quote, he'll make some efforts toward Mizzou's NIL in uh in honor of you, I think that's the wrong word, but uh, and thanks for you getting a quote from him. And uh, stick around, guys. It's going to be again another, you know, forty-eight hours of a lot could happen. We're not promising it all will happen. Just a whole bunch of stuff. And Floyd the barber says, 
Well, that signal just went up. So I'm going to have to look at this. Uh, let's let's not log off quite yet. Maybe you guys can just sit here while I'm on Twitter and see what happens. Um, Eli Drinkwitz has not tweeted in 10 hours. So I, I don't know who sent the bat signal. Uh, false alarm. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for hanging out. What? Where are you guys seeing this? Somebody's got to tell me who is tweeting a bat signal because it is not Eli Drinkwitz. Um, and everybody is lying. That feels like the absolute perfect way to end this day, guys. Bat signal. No bat signal. Thanks for hanging out. We'll talk to you next time.